Well, welcome in, everyone, to another edition of This Week in Hockey. I'm Alex Ferrario. My good buddy Joe Vitale is with me, and I am back, baby, back as a new dad and ready to talk some hockey. Joey V, we're going to get into hockey talk because we got an hour to get into today. But, man, I got to tell you, this dad life, I don't know how you have done it with four going on five because, number one, I feel like I am already kind of at the uh, the what-the-heck-do-I-do stage. Oh, come on. It's early. What do you mean? <laughs> you, you, you got it made in the shade, but you're still in the first week, which is all the adrenaline week, the adrenaline push. You should still be feeling that thing. Just give it two, three more weeks, then you're really going to he'll hit that grind. But, hey, no, big congratulations, Alex. We've met, definitely missed you on the airways. BK's been filling in nicely, but most importantly, how's mama? How's baby? How are you doing? They're doing good, man. You know, mom is uh, mom's still dealing with a little bit of a pain from doing, a you know, a natural – birth but uh she's handling that like a champion and of course the baby's doing well it's crazy i know you love doing the research and looking into this stuff joe we found out that our baby had a cleft palate in her mouth which we had no idea about when we were in the hospital for a couple of days and so we were trying to feed her and trying to uh, breastfeed do bottles and she just wasn't getting enough she had lost like nine percent of her body weight within a couple of days which is normal but they started to get concerned And then the last night we were there, they told us that it looked like that she had a cleft palate in the back of her mouth, which is basically an opening. Everyone has that, you know, palate that's closed at the top of their mouth. Ours baby basically didn't form all the way. So there's a little opening between her nasal passage and her throat. So when she drinks, it either goes down her throat or it goes up her nose. So that was a little bit of a hiccup to go through, but, um, other than that, man, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, babies literally sleep, eat, and poop. And I am awesome at changing diapers. I'm awesome at swaddling. I'm just not awesome at uh, making sure that I'm I'm fully focused at three in the morning when she needs a new bottle. Hey, anything that is correctable is a blessing when it comes to having newborns, Alex. I mean, every baby, every parent out there, they have they have their horror stories, right? Every no, there's no such thing as a perfect pregnancy. At least I've never experienced one. I've never heard of one. There's always a hiccup somewhere along the way because you think about what's happened. You think about you know what you and your your bride did ten months ago, and then what that formed, and and how it grew, and all the complications, and the genes, and genetic code, and DNA, and blood, and just the craziness of COVID. Though that in there as well, it's a miracle. I mean, it's it's an absolute miracle. But they always come with a, a couple of hiccups here and there, and. And as long as it's correctable at that point, you know, to me, that's that's a blessing. And just know that uh, we've all had our fair share of things that you're experiencing right now. But we wish her nothing but the best and your wife as well. But I tell you what, man, yeah, we, we miss you big time. And I know that Chris Kerber has definitely missed you big time. But uh, you hang in there real tough. And the most important thing you need to worry about is nothing to do hardly with the baby. It's just to take care of the person that's taking care of that baby. You know, that's my best yep. advice for you, especially with that first one. You know, when, when you have more down the road, then it becomes – take care of your wife and take care of the other kids so she can focus on the baby. But right now that baby needs mama as, as, as much as anything. And mama needs to be great for that baby. So if you could be that, that kind of bridge where you can help your wife in any way she can, whether yes, honey, whatever you need, honey, what's, what sounds good, honey. Uh, yeah, I'll rub your feet. Absolutely. That's the baby monitor. Let me go change her. You, you get dressed and I'll come over and change the baby. Then she'll be ready to go for the breastfeed or the bottle, whatever you guys decide. To me, that that's where it comes down to, and then it's a really it's a it's really putting your ego aside and kind of putting your yourself aside for a while here to kind of really focus solely on your wife and then that baby because 
Uh, as crazy as it is, it's also one of the greatest miracles in the world. But I'm really happy. Were there any were there any surprises? Like, was there anything that shocked you in the experience of the delivery? <laughs> I'll tell you, man. What surprised me was how a part of the delivery that I was. You and I had talked a few months ago of you know going through the delivery process, and I told you it's like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle all of this. Well, as soon as the as soon as the painful contraction started to kick in for my wife. That's when the nurse had come in. And granted, this was, we checked in, I think, at like 9 o'clock in the morning at Mercy. And by the way, big shout out to the Mercy team there. Um, shout we're out. Incredible. That's right. Shout out. We're incredible for uh, for me, for my wife, Katie, and for our little baby, Adelaide. So, but yeah, as soon as the painful contraction started to come in, Joe, um, like the nurse came in. She's like, okay, we're going to get this started. We're going to start doing these pushes. And she's like, uh, daddy, can you walk over and, and grab one of the legs and kind of grab a leg. get underneath? And I was thinking like, man, I don't know if I want to be a part of this because I tried to make sure I didn't kind of look south. I didn't want to see that. But of course, as soon as you get over there and you grab a leg, they're like, okay, start pushing. There's no blocking that. So you're basically nope. seeing everything that is going down. I will say though, I I was I felt how how cool that was. Like I was thinking I was going to pass out, but as soon as I saw the baby come out and then I cut the umbilical cord, man, that was a really cool feeling. Did you cry, Alex? You had to have cried. I teared up. I teared up a couple yeah, times. I'll tell you, surprisingly, my wife did not cry once. Really? Yes, I, I thought hormones woman. I thought hormones were going to go crazy on her. Like I thought she would be bawling as soon as she saw the baby. I think it was just pure exhaustion for her because like, it, I think it was just like, she was so happy that it was done. But when they brought the baby over to her and they put her on her chest, she, she didn't cry. She just smiled and was talking to her. It was incredible. Isn't it the most amazing thing that you were looking at your wife for the last nine months. And this is, there's like, there's something in there. Like to me, it was always, I don't know about you, but there's something in there, but you just, you don't know. Like, yeah. y y I mean, you know, there's a baby in there, but you don't really believe there's a baby in there. I mean, to you, to you it just looks like a big belly. Right. right. And then, and then in an instant, like, bam, snap of a finger, you got a little girl and you know what? You're always going to have that little girl for the rest of your life. And it's like, and, and it's like literally that moment it comes out, you're like, holy smoke, my <laughs> life. You, you, did you feel like your life is changing in this moment? A hundred percent. As soon as, so they took her out and you, you've been through this. I'm sure everyone listening has been through this. If you've had a child, they take the baby out. They, they, you know, they suction all of the fluids out. Then they take her over to that heat lamp. So the pediatrician can check her out. And at that time I wanted to step back because I'm like, okay, I do not want to get in the way of anybody. And they were like, no, you need to come over here and talk to her and, and, and you know, trying to just let her hear your voice because she's been hearing it. And I, she can kind of see your face. Um, and so when I walked over there and I was talking to her and, you know, she was crying and wiggling around, she grabs a hold of your finger. And at that moment, I mean, I was jelly, Joe, like I lost it. I'm like, okay, this kid can have it, whatever she wants. No problem. I will make it happen. I'll take on six jobs if I need to, because like <laughs> that, that baby steals your heart from the moment you get to see him. It's incredible. God bless you, buddy. Dude, that is so awesome. We're so happy that you guys have had a, had a healthy delivery and, and mom's doing well and you guys are home. And now, man, like I said before, just keep that damn thing alive. That's your job. Yep. How do I keep this son of a gun alive? <laughs> keep her away from predators. Make sure that we survive the droughts and survive the floods and just keep this thing alive. That's your job. Do you did you ever get caught, Joe, with your with your kids? Maybe it was the first one. Maybe it was all of them. Just when they're sitting there and they're awake, you just get caught just staring at them. Oh yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I stare at them all the time. Sometimes my daughter's like, Dad, stop staring at me. It's weird. I'm like, okay, sorry. It's weird. It, 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 it's crazy. It is it's weird. You. It's crazy, man. Like, just to be able to sit there and look at it. And Katie and I, we, we had to go to the pediatrician yesterday, and we were driving in the car with her. And, you know, we're both talking to her and things like that. And then we looked at each other, and we're like, man, what did we do with our lives before this? Like, everything yeah. that we used to do for fun – feels meaningless now that we have this baby because this is like all of our attention it's not it's so funny you say that my wife last night we were sitting on the couch and we were literally laying on the couch together while the kids were outside or one of them was running the house we were like i laid down she came over just take a breather and we were laying on the couch and she was saying i feel like we haven't laid on a couch together (laughs) since we were dating in college and i was like i think you're right and then we started reminiscing about like our life before kids and I mean, our, Alex, our day, we would go from from class, I'd have practice, but then we go to a nice dinner down, down Boston, and then we go to a movie, and then we get Cold Stone, and then we'd come home and watch American Idol, and if we were still, you know, had a little energy, we watch Real Housewives of Orange County, and then we maybe make some brownie mix at, like, midnight, have some brownie mix, and then call it a night around one in the morning, like, and now, I haven't watched TV, I, I don't think I've watched a television show in, like, four years you know what i mean and <laughs> it 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 is completely changed and and as parents as you go and a lot of parents out there can relate to this you know parenting people say oh it's the best thing in the world some people say it's the worst thing in the world i think it's a combination of both you know i think yeah. i think you'll see that that there are going to be the biggest peaks and the deepest valleys in the next in the near future for you there's going to be days where you just want to pull your hair out that baby will not go to bed your wife takes it out on you she's going to blame you for why the baby's not eating and you, you got to try to keep it together but meanwhile you're sleep deprived she's sleep deprived and you have no idea what the hell's going on you've never done this before it's it's a lot of deep valleys in that moment but then like within a minute or with the snap of a finger or a day you can hit the highest mountain where you'll have a moment with your daughter or your wife and together at a park or in a walk or she'll just even look at you. And then you've never felt so much joy in your entire life. So it's just, it's this ebb and flow of like huge peaks and very deep valleys. And it's a roller coaster, but I'm so happy that uh, you're, uh, you're just getting things going, man. I'm really happy for you guys. I love it. That's awesome, Joe. Well, I appreciate it, man. And the best part about it is when I need dad advice, I got two great dads to talk to and you and Chris Kerber who have been through the trials and tribulations and get plenty of dad advice. But I will say this before we take a break and get into hockey talk. We were in the hospital. She was delivered on or she 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 was born on Wednesday morning. So Wednesday night, we were in the hospital, kind of in the recovery room. We were all relaxing. Blues game was on. So we turned it on the television, we muted it, and we had it on the 101 ESPN app, and we were listening to Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. And no joke, Joey, she was crying, and as soon as the broadcast started, she was soothed, and she was watching the game and listening to it. So I think the voices, the 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 sexy voices of Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale put our baby to rest. Hey, you know what? Uh, our voices may have done that, but just don't bring it to the booth. It might scare her between me and, and Kerber's hairy, hairy arms. Uh, the visual of us might freak her out. So I'm just glad the voices are okay. I saw Curbs in his soccer jersey the other day, and he re- he really is Chewbacca underneath all of those clothes, isn't he? He is mainful and proud, dude. He he <laughs> lets that hair just flow out of that jersey in every different direction, every different sleeve. He does not care, and uh, more power to him. That's incredible. Well, Joe, let's take a break and let's come back and get into this Blues team because a awesome road trip to come away with 10 of 12 points. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some of the injuries and the way that the Blues have been navigating through it and really this upcoming schedule that they're about to get into. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey. Happy to be back with you on a Wednesday night. 
right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Back in on a Wednesday night, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. Blues in the midst of a three-day break, which is a much-needed break after a long road trip before they open up this homestand, a two-game homestand against the Vegas Golden Knights uh, Friday and Saturday night back at Enterprise Center. But, Joe, let's talk about this road trip, man. I know I was a part of the broadcast at the beginning, and then Brandon Kiley took over. Um, but to end that road trip and pick up 10 of 12 points, to not lose in regulation. Yes, you did lose two games where you had the lead against the Kings and the Sharks. But more importantly, man, you went on a road trip that you needed to pick up points to keep your head above water, and you did the exact thing that we all said was needed. They did, man. I tell you right now, if they if they would have walked out of there, Alex, you know, let's just let's just call it three and three. If they, if they would have played five hundred hockey on that road trip, I think that would have been a successful road trip. I mean, you have new players like Dakota Joshua. Uh, you have Mackenzie McEachern who's playing big time minutes. Uh, Nico Mikula is out there killing penalties. I mean, a lot of young players back in the lineup here. Vladimir Tarasenko was still out when the trip started, but then he ended up coming back. He didn't know how that how that was going to affect things. When you put it all together, I mean, Schwartz is out, Bozak's out. I mean, it, it just goes on and on forever. Colton Pareko is such a huge piece of that. Robert Thomas, another big piece. There. I mean, the list just kind of keeps going on and on and on. Now Jacob De La Rose, which we lost earlier in this road trip. You look at the personnel, you look at how this team could have really just kind of buckled and really folded. And they didn't. I think that this leadership from Ryan O'Reilly, from the coaching staff, to the rest of the veterans and Braden Chens and Vladdy and all kinds of these great players, I think that it really just stood up. And I think it really stood out. You know what I mean? And you look at what happened there in San Jose in that 7-6 game. It was a little all over the place. I think that was a perfect game to get the road trip started because they realized, hey, we can actually score here, but we got to start tightening things up a little bit defensively. Then they go to Anaheim. They do just that. There wasn't a lot there defensively for Anaheim. LA is a great, great matchup. So you take three points out of L.A., who's playing very good hockey right now, and then to come right back through San Jose. I can't imagine going to San Jose, leaving San Jose, then playing two in Anaheim, two in L.A., and then coming back to San Jose. I mean, talk about a long road trip. Those guys were absolutely everywhere. They stuck with it. They stuck with the battle. And right when I thought they were going out on fumes, right when I thought, you know what, this San Jose, this last game of this whole road trip, this may not go the Blues way. It's been a long road trip. They've been away from their families a very long time. The restrictions are insane out in California. What happens? You got Kyle Clifford stepping up big time in that game. First shift, goes out there, fights Gabriel, and really got that pen, uh, the bench really pumped up. So to me, you're, you're looking at what was successful about the road trip. They found ways to win every single night, whether it's Kyle Clifford picking up the boost and picking up the energy of that team to get him through that game to salvage a point, whether it was the power play in one of those Anaheim games, uh, maybe it was the L.A. game. They had three power play goals, and they won that game with all the power play goals. Uh, the heroics of just outscoring your opponent in that first 7-6 victory for San Jose. I mean, the Ducks, they, they knew what they needed to do. It was, a, it was a team that was struggling. They got after Gibson. They did that. Uh, a lot of goals off the rush. I mean, to me, they found every single way to win a game. And if you're looking at that road trip, these Blues deserve some time off. And I think they're going to have Tuesday off and Wednesday off, I believe. And then they're going to get back at it on Thursday. Not often do you get two days off in a row, Alex, but this team certainly deserves it. Well, and they need it too, Joe, because when you look at the schedule and you talked about this when March began and really when February, we were in the middle of it, like there's no more multiple days off for this team. Once they, they kind of hit the end of March, it is basically every other day that you're playing hockey. And the part that gets me with what they did on this road trip isn't so much about the fact that they didn't lose in regulation and that they, they, they won the amount of games that they did. It's where they stand in the standings. I mean, look, they've played 26 games, which is tied for the most in their division. But 
that's only three games more than the Minnesota Wild and Colorado Avalanche, who are three and four points behind the Blues. So if those teams win out those three games, the Blues are only looking at a couple of points behind those teams. The only team that really has the advantage on the Blues are the Vegas Golden Knights, who have played 22 games and sit with 33 points. But that works in the Blues' favor, Joe, because they have two games against them Friday and Saturday, and basically they play that team a majority of the remainder of the season. It's Vegas, Minnesota, and Colorado as the Blues wrap up their season. Yeah, that's going to be some big-time hockey down the stretch there. And and I think the hope is for Blues fans in this, in this team is that they're going to be more relatively healthy than they are right now. I mean, it's tough because Tyler Bozak hasn't been skating lately. He was skating looking pretty good there for a while, but I think he's kind of taking a step backwards. Uh, Jaden yeah. Schwartz I don't think is really close. You know, Robert Thomas is skating, so he should be around the corner. Um, Ivan Barbashev is another player we haven't mentioned yet, but he's about, I think, three-ish weeks away now, three, four weeks uh, away now. So that puts you kind of right in the heat of April uh, when all these Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas games really come on. So it's going to be a fight down to the stretch, and I think health is going to play a huge factor into that. I mean, you look at you look at how teams can really struggle. Look at Colorado in the bubble last year, Alex. I mean, the team that was projected to win it all, and they just kind of went through injury after injury, and they just couldn't sustain it. So that's, again, what's so impressive about the Blues, but also what's really important as you hit that April-May month when you're playing all these big-time teams. Uh, it's going to be interesting as, as Vegas comes to town here this weekend, too, to kind of get this Vegas series rolling and the heated heated emotions going back again. You know, we have not seen Alex Petrangelo on the ice for the last two two days. He missed the last game. I know a lot of people were excited to have Alex Petrangelo back to St. Louis, his first return to St. Louis, uh, not being a St. Louis Blue. But uh, we'll have to be on hold to see if he actually is going to be in that game or not. But either way, it's going to be a wonderful weekend. Back-to-back, an emotional series. These teams really do bring out the best in each other. And I think it's exactly what the Blues need is kind of get this home record back on the right track. Yeah, what what, what do you think's in that, Joe? And look, we've talked with the players. We've heard the players say that, like, I, they can't put their finger on it. They said well, whatever it may be, playing easier on the road or not being focused at home, it, it needs to be fixed. But as, as a former player... I mean, you've been in those atmospheres. You've played in Pittsburgh where it is a home ice advantage when those guys are playing there. What goes into struggles for teams when they play at home rather than being out on the road? Is it truly just they make the game easier? You know, I think that every team is different, obviously. And, you know, I'm not saying this is the problem, but I know a lot of times there's more distractions at home. You know, you're, you're coming to the rink on your own. Right. You've been away from your teammates, you know, for the better or worse, all day, except for the morning skate. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, your family, you know, a, lot, a lot of these guys have families and young kids. It, not to say that's a distraction because that's a terrible thing to say. But but your mind isn't solely focused on you and in your profession. And that's the benefit of being out on the road. When you're out on the road, you wake up, you get your breakfast, you can sleep in if you want to sleep in. You can do whatever you want. You, you know, go to the ring, come back, take a nap. You don't need to answer to anybody. You don't you know, you don't need to help your wife out if she's pregnant. And again, I don't, I don't make it sound like it's a distraction because it's not, but, but you are just solely focused on, on your profession and, and the job at hand and what you have to do that night. And then, you know, you come home and you have all those other things kind of going on in your life. And, and for this team, maybe it's just a little overboard or maybe it's just something they can't really put together in, in, in a single thing. But, um, you know, Alex, it is, it is a crazy thing. It's just something that definitely needs to get better on the right foot at home. I mean, are, are you more comfortable? Yeah, I think you're more comfortable at home. I think you're more content at home because you know your surroundings, you know the Starbucks you go through to get your coffee, you know the security guards when you show up. Uh, there is a comfort level there. And, and sometimes I think, and not saying this is the case with the Blues, but sometimes I think that comfort level that comfort level can really kind of help you just kind of, or maybe, maybe um, 
to go against you, it can kind of like sink in a little bit to the fact that you're kind of, you're kind of complacent. And when you start the game, if you're complacent, you know, that's when you can kind of get off on the bad foot. And sometimes it's tough to come back from in those kind of situations. Well, and the good news is too, uh, I mean, you have 30 games remaining starting on Friday, 16 of them are played at home and 14 of them are on the road. So about 500 hockey and look, you don't want to play 500 hockey. You need to be better at home. But the fact that you do have 14 games on the road where the blues is the, are they're the best team on the road this season in the National Hockey League uh, works in their favor. Joe, let me ask you about a couple of individual players because I only got to really watch them on television. You got to call the games, and I'm sure you got the chance to talk to them and talk to some of the coaches about it. One player that really impressed me was Dakota Joshua. I mean, look, I didn't expect him to set the world on fire because he was a guy that wasn't expected to be at the NHL level this season. I mean, heck, he was playing in the East Coast Hockey League last season, but I love his game. I mean, he's a big-bodied guy. He utilizes his speed. He utilizes his side, but he's also a face-off guy who can win a lot of – I think he went six for eight the other night in the, in against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, what, what was your takeaway of Dakota Joshua's game? Yeah, and he was he was funny after the game too. We were talking to him, I think the next day, and we were saying, "Hey, your your faceoff percentage is better than Ryan O'Reilly's," and and he was kind of laughing. He was saying, "You know, I need to probably get be here a little bit longer before I make that joke because I don't want to, you know, hurt anyone's feelings or step on the wrong toes." <laughs> and we were kind of laughing about it. But he's a tremendous kid, well spoken, well educated kid. Uh, it was wonderful talking to him. And I look at his game, and I think that he is just uh, – he's taking care of everything that he needs to take care of, everything within his control that makes him an impactful player in the National Hockey League. He's doing – I mean, he's skating. He's he's going, he's going, driving the net. We saw that on his first NHL goal. I think he's been great in the defensive zone. He's always on the defensive side of battles. He's always underneath when the pucks are going up the walls to the wingers. He's a centerman. He's got to be underneath, and he's got to be on the defensive side in case of a turnover. He's not cheating for offense, right? He's doing all the the little things that he needs to do to stay in the game. Faceoffs is another one. I mean, he's a big, strong kid. He built himself up in Ohio State for four years. You know, a college is very different than junior hockey, where you're in college, you're playing two games a week and you're working out for the other five days, pretty much. In junior, it's just a lot of games where you don't really have a chance to designate yourself to your body and really treat your body right. So him playing at Ohio State, you know, building his body, he's a big kid, he's strong, he's been strong on draws. Of course, he got that goal, which I think gave him a lot of confidence. Uh, him and Kyle Clifford have been hitting it off really well there on that fourth line. And then you got Mackenzie McEachern, who's been flying alongside of him. So you look at Dakota Joshua, he's had success. He's had success for what he's done, but he's also had success for what Kyle Clifford has brought to the table on the line. And Mackenzie McEachern is skating probably as fast as I've seen him skate in the St. Louis Blues uniform. So you put those three guys together, and you're going to have a great line. And Craig Berube used this line quite a bit. I mean, I think almost every goal, either for or against, I just they show the shot of the bench and Craig Bruby's tapping, you know, Clifford or McEachern or, you know, Dakota Joshua on the back. Let's go. They needed some energy. They needed a boost. And Craig Berube is really big about a fourth line. We saw that back back in the day with Alexander Steen. We need an identity on this fourth line. Yeah. And I think he's turned into these three, these three guys now and saying, hey, guys, go out there and get it. We need a fourth line. I'm going to give you the opportunity. Go out there and make it and, and earn it. What an addition Kyle Clifford has been, Joe. I, I mean, look, I, I know – I mean, he has scored goals because I think he's got more goals than a couple of players on the roster right now. But, man, the identity and just kind of the um, the atmosphere that he brings into that locker room from what we're hearing. And, of course, we're not able to be in there. But, you know, they've talked a lot about him taking some of the players under his wing and talking with some of the younger guys, you know, stepping up in that fight against the San Jose Sharks the other night. I mean, this this has been one of the more underrated kind of under-the-radar signings in the National Hockey League this past offseason. 
Well, it has, and not to mention, I think he's got three goals on the year. You know, which yeah. uh, you know he hasn't scored in a little while here, but at the beginning, I mean, he was he was outscoring. I think. Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner and, and Taylor Hall and Buffalo of all right. players. I think they've probably closed the gap since then, but that was a fun stat a couple weeks ago. But he's scoring, Alex. I mean, he, he right before he fought Gabriel the other night in San Jose, his second shift he fought him. And his very first shift, he went right at the net. He got a great tip for the point. He almost scored another goal. So he, yeah. his offense has been the biggest surprise for me as far as what I did not expect out of Kyle Clifford. So that's been a great surprise. What I do love, what, what was expected – is that he's a very tough kid and he's going to look after his teammates. And you can't, you cannot summarize it any better than what happened in that game a couple of days ago in San Jose. He fought Gabriel. Why did he fight Gabriel? Because San Jose needed an answer. San Jose wanted a, a pushback. They wanted to see what Jordan Bennington did the week prior and say, hey, man, we're not sticking up for that. We don't stand for that. We're going to send our tough guy out there and he's going to do something tonight. And if Jordan Bennington's not going to be in the net, we're going to send Gabriel out there and do something because we have pride on this team and we have pride, especially with, with Bugner, who's a coach of San Jose, who was a tough guy when he played, right? So they wanted a response. So Kyle Clifford goes out there and he basically defends his team and his goaltender, who's not even playing in the game. And he goes out there and he puts his body on the line. And it was a great, heated, emotional battle between the two guys, heavy rights there, especially at the end from Clifford. And it was a great fight. And to me, that's what it's about. He's a team first guy. He's always been his entire career. There's no, there's no reason, or there's no reason to doubt why he won two cups in LA when he was a huge part of that group. And now this is not one of the reasons why Doug Armstrong has signed him to this team. So he's doing it on the ice and he's doing it off the ice, taking Dakota under his wing. He's a great person in the locker room, a wonderful personality. And he kind of creates a little bit more space and comfort for everyone on your team when you know Kyle Clifford's on your bench. Yeah, they're going to need that, especially as we hope to get some of these injured guys back. We did see the return of Tarasenko. I want to talk about that when we come back, Joe. I also want to get into what is going on with the Buffalo Sabres right now. I'm sure you've seen them in the news talking about Jack Eichel, talking about Jeff Skinner. Their general manager had a press conference the other day. Things aren't going too well. So we'll get into that and much more here on This Week in Hockey. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Back in on a Wednesday night, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you here on This Week in Hockey. Blues back in action on Friday night, Enterprise Center against the Vegas Golden Knights. 7 o'clock puck drop, a 6 o'clock pregame show right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. They play Friday, Saturday, then they head back out onto the road for another extended road trip, two against the Kings, two against the Sharks, one against Vegas, one against Minnesota. So, Joe, let's talk about the one player that did return on this road trip, and that was Vladimir Tarasenko. I know a lot of people were having some uh, some some anticipation, some anxiety of getting him back on the ice because they weren't sure if that shoulder was going to hold up. Now, from all I saw, it looked like Tarasenko was the same Tarasenko. He was shooting the puck. He was playing physical in front of the net. This dude's passes are slick to get him back on the ice. I mean, he made a tape-to-tape -tape pass in the center of the ice against the Sharks the other night on O'Reilly's stick, and O'Reilly was just on the rush off to the races. This was a much-needed return for a Blues team that has been majorly depleted by these injuries. Yes, it was a wonderful comeback for him, a wonderful strategic comeback for him. You know, I remember, I think I was talking to – Randy, Michelle, and Dan the other day about will we see him this weekend? And and I was going in about how there's just so many elements for a return for a player like Vladdy. It's not only about how he's ready, but you want to put him in a situation where he's going to be comfortable and ideally he's going to have success. And I did not quite anticipate him coming in that second game with a back-to-back -back versus LA. But looking back, 
I think it was a wonderful move because he had success against LA and you bring him in in that second game when maybe your opponent's a little bit worn out from the night before they've saved Jordan Bennington, I think strategically, which was a smart move to bring in Binner when Vladdy comes back. So Binning played the second game of the back of the back. So you got your starting goaltender in there. You got a team that was exhausted from the night before. So really you look at Vladdy's comeback and I think that it was a wonderful thing and wonderful addition and a wonderful call by Craig Berube and staff to bring him in when they did. I think he looked comfortable. I think he looked content right away. I think his skating was there. The shots there, the passes will always be there for this guy, but it's the skating. It's the battle levels to compete. To me, that's where we had to see something. I remember that first game. He went in, the, in there in the first corner. I think in the first period, Drew Doughty popped him in the corner. And then yeah. as you looked at it, he went in there and the puck went from corner to corner. And then, boom, he popped he popped Doughty in the same way. And it really tested his shoulder. He had great battles in front of the net. Um, and then the other thing, too, Alex, which I was watching as the San Jose game progressed as well, he was smiling. I mean, he was smiling between whistles. He was smiling after icing. He was on the bench. He was chatty. To me, this is a player that looks at what has happened to him. He's been off a very long time. I think he's just happy to be back in that locker room. And when you're happy and you're feeling good and you're feeling confident like he is right now, you're going to have success on the ice. And I think that's what we saw. Another wonderful play he made, a, a typical Vladimir Tarasenko play that is so undercover that so many people just forget about because they love the, the goals and the snappy shots and under the bar, and that's what he does. And he does do that, don't get me wrong. But one of the plays that I just loved over the weekend was Nico Mikola's first goal. I mean, that first yeah. period of San Jose, he chips it in, he goes after, he gets it, he, he pops, I think it was Leonard, right off the puck in the corner, moves it from low to high, and of course Nico does the rest, and the rest was history for his first NHL goal. But it's the forecheck, chipping pucks in, moving his feet, being physical, and then moving the puck um, effectively. That's where Vladdy's at his best. That's when he's at his best, and that's when he can really take over a game. So from start to finish, Vladdy's return was a success, absolutely, not only for the way he played, but also the fact that he's still healthy and he'll be ready to go this weekend against Vegas. I mean, it's it's so big for the players too, Joe. Like that has to be such a uh, a, a a relief for guys like O'Reilly and Shen and Perron. Not so much that they can kind of take some time, like you know, take take shifts off on the ice, but they know that they have somebody else out there that the team can rely on, right? Like, like you ever went through that where when Sidney Crosby was out and then he comes back into the lineup, everyone else feels like it's a weight off their shoulders to where they have another player who can be effective on the ice so that they can just go back to playing their game rather than trying to play above their line that they should be playing on. It's a good point. And it kind of, it kind of sparks something in me that when you were just talking there, Alex, and I think that when, when you have a player return like that, then you're right. Everyone can kind of go back to what they're more comfortable with, right? Um, you know, was, was it fair to say that all the players on those first two lines deserve to be there? Maybe not. Was it fair to say that Jacob Delarose feels really good in a third-line situation versus a fourth-line situation? Probably not. Would Mackenzie McEachern be, be uh, better suited on a fourth-line regular or a second-line regular? Of course, a fourth-line. When you have a player return like that, Everyone can kind of fit back into where they go. It's no, it's no different than a batting order. If you put Yadi or Molina in, in the three hole or the, or the cleanup spot, you know, he's not going to be as effective there as, as he will be on that eighth spot, or that seventh spot or wherever he falls. 
And it's no different for hockey players. They want to be able to go out there and do what they do, but they got to be put in a situation and where they can actually perform what they need to do. So if you're a fourth line grinder, you got to be on a fourth line. You know that you're only going to play nine minutes and you're going to eat up those nine minutes the best you can and do exactly what you need to do. And it's hard to be giving those players, you know, 15, 16 minutes, and then you get down in the game. Then you get down by two goals. And then we're looking at Mackenzie McEachern or Jacob Della Rose to score goals. And that's not necessarily their forte. So not only does it take them away from what they do very well, but then it forces them to do something they're not that really that good at. And then you can kind of really lose a player in that situation. So for me, you're right. You bring in these star players and everyone can kind of get down a peg to where they actually belong. And then they can actually perform um, to, to the degree that the team needs them in order to win games. Yeah, well, and you talked about it before, too, like when things aren't going right, like I think you used the example of Colton Pareko when you, when you weren't healthy, but he was trying to play through it, your confidence drops because you know that you should be able to do what you can't do due to an injury. And I think that could go the same way for a guy like a Mackenzie McEachern or a guy like a, a Dakota Joshua or a guy like a Sammy Blay, who, yes, want to be a top-line player, but they know the role is kind of a third or a fourth line grinder. But when they're being asked to do more and it's not working, the confidence dips. And like you said, you lose that player. And right now the Blues can't afford to lose that player, which is why I think Craig Berube has done such a, a stand-up job with this team because he's not asking these guys to do more than what they're, they are supposed to be doing. They're producing, but he's not demanding that from them. He's playing the top guys, top guy minutes. Yes, it's it's a good point, and I think I did say that, and I remember that because it's really true. And I think what was happening with Colton Pareko, what they were seeing was they kept asking him, were you good enough to play? You feel good enough to play? And, of course, he, you know, listen, this guy wants to play. He's like, yeah, I, I can play. I, I want to play. I'm not hurt enough where I can't play, so I want to play. But what was happening was he was starting to get beat wide. He was starting to maybe lose his gap, and he wasn't starting to play as, as good as he could. Is he still better at 70% than maybe a call-up at 95 100%? Yes, and then he was helping the team win. And I think that's why the team liked it. But what was happening as it evolved was he was slowly starting, I think, to lose confidence because as he's getting beat wide or he can't shoot the puck as hard and he's missing the net, right? And everyone's like, oh, Colton. And his team is like, oh, Colton. He feels that. He feels that pressure. He feels that heat. So then it was kind of ruining his confidence. And it can happen to a player like you just mentioned with Mackenzie McEachern. Any guy that gets played up in the lineup, if they're put in a situation they can't perform in or they're, or they're given a task they can't do, you're going to destroy their confidence. And, and that's the last thing you want to do. So Craig Berube had did a great job. Not only um, – I think he's made an adjustment. I think it's not so much a team identity anymore. To me, it looks more like a line-to-line identity where instead yeah. of all four lines are running and gunning and playing grinded out down low hockey in corners, I think he's looking at this uh, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Tarasenko, and Kyron line as be creative, use your speed, use your intelligence, get to the offensive zone, turn up, turn over, oh well, right? That's that's their identity. Now the fourth line, don't do that. Don't don't do what they're doing because <laughs> we, we don't we need you to chip it in, go in there and hit. So it, yeah. it's less to me, Alex, now of a team identity, but more of a line to line identity. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I noticed throughout that road trip because and you saw the benefit of of playing that style because I think I haven't seen as many rush goals in a four six game segment as we saw on that entire road trip. And this team is not typically a rush team. This is a chip it in, grind it out, below the dots, throw it at the net, um, dig for rebounds, be strong in front of your net, and score some goals. That's what they usually are. But now this team has scored a lot of rush goals. We're scoring a lot of power play goals. I think we're starting to see the creativity really come out of these players, which to me is, is if you're not continually evolving in this league, you're going to fall behind, and you're gonna, their teams are going to figure out how to defeat you. So I think it was a really good shot there for the St. Louis Blues coaching staff leading it off there with Craig Berube.
Well, and it's a great point, too, that you make, Joe, because, I mean, you do have to evolve your identity. Like, if you look around the league, the way that the Blues won the Stanley Cup is not kind of the dominant way in the NHL right now. I mean, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team right now in the National Hockey League, along with the Vegas Golden Knights. Why? Because they are playing that rush style. Now, I know Toronto has all of that star power, and they're coming through for this team. But injuries can derail that. The Vegas Golden Knights continue to win games without Petrangelo and without Mark Stone, but they are a rush team, kind of like the Blues that you're talking about. So as much as we loved that Blues style of hockey, that heavy, hard-nosed, four-check, kind of grind-them-down style, you have to be able to utilize other skill sets on the ice, which I think the Blues are doing a really good job of, and they were having success with it before all of these injuries hit, of kind of mixing and matching the speed from some players with that size from some players and becoming a different team on the ice. Well, I think it's more fun to watch too. I mean, oh, yeah. and no, disres- no disrespect to the blue style, Alex, as you know, because uh, you're, when you're winning games, you're winning games. You don't care how you win them. But, but there was a, a time there where if the blues aren't, if the blues don't win, it's a, it's a dreadful game to watch. I'll just be honest right. with you. Cause it, it's no fun. There's no uh, real excitement because of, when you chip it in and grind it and smother and get to the net and score those dirty goals, uh, when you're winning, it's terrific. But I, I tell you, if you ask the common fan, which team would you rather watch, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the St. Louis Blues, I bet 98% of the people would say the Toronto Maple Leafs Toronto just Maple because Leafs, yeah. of the run-and-gun style, the, the creativity, the rush chances, the way they pull up and they try to hit seams and backdoor plays. Boston Bruins, another perfect example, the way they go mm-hmm. tic-tac-toe and they're just – they're very creative intellectual hockey players where they're kind of given the freedom to do those things. And I think that's what's we're starting to see where Craig Berube is kind of not, I don't want to say loosening the leash a little bit, but he's just, he, he's a realist. He's like, listen, we don't have the group to go out there line after line, wave after wave and grind, grind, grind anymore. We don't have the personnel. Mike Hoffman, no disrespect. I don't think he's going to do that. This is not why you signed him. We didn't sign Mike Hoffman to be a grinder. We're not going to turn a player into something he's just not. He's a skilled player. He can make plays. He's got an incredible shot. Let's use that to our advantage. Let's allow these players maybe to get outside this very structured four-line system a little bit and get back in maybe some more creative hockey and just let them kind of go out there with their line mates and responsibly, of course, responsibly try to go out there and make plays and, and win hockey games. And I think that's what we saw over this road trip. And to me, when you do that also, Alex, you become a very difficult team to defend. Because not a lot of teams are, are, are recognizing what the St. Louis Blues team is anymore. I mean, listen, they've been playing this style for two straight years. Eventually, teams are going to get smart enough. They're going to figure out how to beat it. So you have right. to continue to adjust. And I think with all the new personnel, with the new kind of line-by-line different identities like I talked about, now they're kind of back on their heels where maybe they're not chipping the pucks in. Maybe they're coming in, they're turning up, they're making a play. So it kind of throws your opponent off a little bit too, which I think to me is one of the biggest reasons why the Blues had such a successful road trip over the past week and a half. 100% agree with that one. Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey. We'll take our final break and come back. i got to get into this Buffalo Sabres thing. It's a special edition, Joe, of What's Up With That. We'll hit on that next here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Final time tonight, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario of This Week in Hockey. As always, if you missed any of tonight's show, we got into the Blues style of play. We got into that successful road trip. Plenty of dad talk. And by the way, if you can... People keep sending me dad advice, and I love every second of it. So please keep sending them to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You could tweet them to me at Ferrario 101 ESPN. I'm promising you I'm reading every one of them, and I'm keeping them down in journals because I know I'm going to need all of this 
at some point. So thank you all for the well wishes and all of the messages uh, that I have been receiving. Joe, how about we do a little what's up with that, buddy? My favorite segment. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Well, what the hell is up with the Buffalo Sabres right now, Joe? And I think we have been saying that all season long, but now it has come to a kind of fork in the road because I'm sure you saw it, and I'm sure our listeners have seen it. The Buffalo Sabres general manager basically had a state of the team address the other day and, you know, talking about the fact that they were healthy scratching Jeff Skinner, talking about the fact that Jack Eichel has been in the trade rumors. Heck, they even brought up Ralph Kruger's name saying, is this guy going to get fired? Joe, the Buffalo Sabres organization right now is at a they're at a point where I think a lot of people are wondering, why are you even in the NHL? Because they're not being properly run and it's getting very frustrating and fatiguing for this fan base. Alex, Jack Eichel has two goals. Taylor Hall has two goals. Like I said earlier in the last segment, Kyle Clifford has three goals. Kyle Clifford Kyle and Mackenzie McEachern combined have more goals than Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner. Or Taylor that, Hall. Jack Eichel and Jay, Taylor Hall. Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. Between those two guys, Mackenzie McEachern and Kyle Clifford have more goals. Would you ever, with 20, 21, 25 games into the season, could you ever imagine saying that? Alex, Jeff Skinner has two points. He has a goal and he has an assist for a total. I'm not great at math. But one plus one, that's two. He has two, two points. Guess how much money he makes. Uh, I believe it's uh, an eight and eight contract. So $64 million over eight years. He makes $9 million. What? <laughs> he makes nine. He makes one and a half million dollars more than Ryan O'Reilly. He makes oh a million and a half more than Ryan O'Reilly. Jeff Skinner makes nine million bucks <laughs> and he has two points jack eichel and taylor hall are being outscored by mackenzie mckechran and kyle clifford to me this, this thing has gone really really south like yeah. the south is a little south i don't know i don't know to me alex and, and again uh, maybe i could say this because i'm a blues fan I, I think the beginning to all this end of beginning to this madness i really think it started with ryan o'reilly being traded i really do and i think maybe not necessarily the trade itself but the fact that he went off to win a Stanley Cup in a Conn Smythe less than a year after being released from Buffalo. I think that's when Buffalo fans really just said they had it enough. The panic really set in. We, we just can't make a right move, whichever way we look anymore. And this, this team is in shambles. Jack Eichel wants out of there. I cannot blame him. I mean, what a, what a terrible situation for this young man to be in. And I remember when he was drafted by Buffalo, cause that was the year I was in Arizona when yeah. it was basically the Connor McDavid sweepstakes. And it was us, Arizona, Edmonton, and Buffalo. We were the three worst teams in the league. And everyone knew about Connor McDavid. And everyone knew about Jack Eichel. But there was a big fall off from there between those top two guys and the third guy. We took Dylan Strom, who's now in Chicago. Pretty decent player. But uh, it, it was a miss for Arizona as they only had him for a couple of years and they traded him to Chicago like everyone else had traded from Arizona to Chicago. But, <laughs> but I remember that season specifically. And it was a race – to lose for Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel in Arizona. We, we ended up edging or losing the, the second to last place seed by a point. And of course the lottery happens and it goes Edmonton, Buffalo, Arizona. So Connor McDavid goes to Edmonton, Jack Eichel goes to Buffalo. And I think right in that moment, he was probably like, Oh my God, no way. Like I, I was, <laughs> I was one point away probably from going to Arizona to Scottsdale, Arizona 
where now Rick Tockett's there and they've got a really cool thing going on there. It's a wonderful yeah. lifestyle and a really, actually believe it or not, a really good fan base in Arizona. They have a lot of support there, especially when they're winning. This poor freaking kid, he is such a good hockey player. He is as elite as can be. But what's happening, Alex? He's fallen under the same, the same mindset that got Ryan O'Reilly yep. traded out of there. Ryan O'Reilly said before he got traded, you know, I just, it, it's hard to come into the rink these days. I, some days you only want to come to the ring. It's so, it's so bad. Here. The love of so what the happens? Game. Yeah. So what happens? He gets traded. Like here's a kid being honest about how miserable the situation is. Oh, so instead of fixing the situation or maybe fixing the organization or trying to let's, let's trade away one of our best players. Cause you right. said that. What a joke. Jack Eichel's feeling the same thing Ryan is. And maybe, maybe Jack Eichel really needs to come out and make a statement like that for Buffalo to be like, Hey, well you're out of here then. I, I don't know, but it has gotten so bad. And it's a shame because Buffalo has got, it, it's one of the highest, markets of any team in the national hockey league buffalo the way they pull fans because they're right on the border of canada usa there a lot of people don't know yeah. that a lot of people go at chicago or toronto's or the boston's buffalo has one of the highest highest markets for for hockey and, and it's insane because they have such great support and it's such a hockey hotbed but those poor fans that poor city they just cannot get together alex it's crazy. It's something to keep a close eye on, man. But I definitely wanted to get into that uh, with you today. Joe, man, it's great to be back on the airwaves with you, buddy. Thanks for taking some time and hopping on with us tonight. Um, looking forward to getting back onto the Blues calls with you guys on Friday. And uh, we'll talk some Blues hockey then, my man. Alex, we're really excited that you're back. Uh, kudos to you for building a studio underneath your steps in your house to make this work. You're, uh, you're one of the hardest working people in the business, and I'm really happy for your wife and you and your your wonderful, beautiful young daughter that uh, is welcome to this earth. And I can't wait to meet her when all this world kind of kind of slowly gets back on the right track, which I think we're in a good position now. I think we're getting there in a good in a good way. So looking forward to meeting you and uh, and her, excuse me, and looking forward to Friday, man. Looking forward to having you back. BK's done a wonderful job uh, in your stay, uh, but we have missed you a lot, Alex, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for being a part of this week in hockey show. For Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll talk to you next week for this week in hockey right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN.